0: Lucas on Life. Hello, I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. This is Lucas on Life. And speaking of life, it does seem that life is soon to return to normal. If we all behave nicely, don't go giddy if we've got that COVID shot. The long months of restriction and lockdown are hopefully coming to an end as the government gradually lifts restrictions or as they put it, we follow the roadmap to recovery. It's been the weirdest of years, hasn't it? And we've used words and phrases in an unusual way because now we're on that roadmap, even though most of us never ever use a roadmap. We just follow that terse, rather irritated lady in our GPS or on our phone. I've said this on the show before, but our vocabulary during COVID has changed because we've been ramping things up Ramping used to be the province of BMX bikers and skateboarders. Cool dudes with crash helmets. We've been rolling things out, which used to be the province of carpet layers everywhere. Lockdown used to be what happened when inmates in a prison got restless. And there's been an unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. In other words, words have taken on new meanings. Now, Here's a word that is often used by Christians. It's the word disciple, and it's a Bible word, a word often used in the New Testament. The word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament, as opposed to Christian, which is only found three times. When you turn to the gospel, Matthew uses the word disciple 67 times, 44 in Mark, 34 in Luke, And in John's gospel, the gospel of belief, the gospel created to help those who would follow Jesus be true disciples of his 73 times. And yet this word disciple, many people don't feel confident enough as Christians to own that description of themselves, as if to say that you're a disciple implies that you've moved into super sainthood. Dallas Willard said, The disciple of Jesus is not the deluxe or heavy duty model of the Christian, especially padded, textured, streamlined, and empowered for the fast lane on the straight and narrow way. No, being a disciple, it's for all of us who would follow Christ. And so this week and next week as well, we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? We're asking the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? As I said earlier, the word disciple is frequently, often used in the New Testament. And so it's really important that we understand what it means to be a disciple. First of all, the disciple is a believer. Now that might seem rather obvious to us, but a disciple is someone who has put their belief, their faith, their trust in Jesus. In John's gospel, we read these words, these signs are written that you might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that believing you may have life in his name you see discipleship is dependent on believing in jesus and when you look to john's gospel it's the faith of the disciples that is often highlighted and it's also their doubts as well that we read about They consistently fail to understand what's going on as they follow Jesus. They often have a remarkable lack of insight. In a way, doubting Thomas, I'm never quite sure that we should dub him that way, he stands as a model of discipleship in the New Testament in the way that he affirms the risen Christ, my Lord and my God. Thomas was able to make that statement of faith after seeing and touching the risen Jesus. Those of us tonight who make the same Pledge of Allegiance that Jesus is our Lord, we are blessed because, according to Scripture, we have not seen Jesus, yet we have come to believe. And so, in the gospel, a disciple is someone who believes, and then that leads to action in their lives. A disciple of Jesus doesn't just follow his ethical and moral teaching, but they make a believing commitment to the divine claims of Christ. And so here's a question for us Christians. Are we still believing? Now you might say, what a ridiculous question. Of course I am. But perhaps we should check, because in the last year we've all experienced that lockdown, we've all experienced restriction. And many of us, surely all of us, whatever our denomination or tradition, we believe in a God who can intervene, who can make a difference. Many of us believe in a God who can heal the sick. And yet we've lived on the barren landscape of lockdown. So are we still believing? Sometimes Christians don't like to discuss their doubts as if doubting is like having a really embarrassing disease for which there is no cure but i believe that if we're capable of believing we'll always be capable of doubting it's not something to be feared it's just part of the christian life i've experienced that during traffic jams when i can become a temporary atheist or just before standing up to speak to a a large congregation i'm feeling the pressure of that and suddenly i wonder do I really believe all this stuff? And then sometimes the familiarity that we can feel if we've been following Jesus for a while, that means that the truths that we hold dear can lose their sparkle and we have to reaffirm our faith. Or it may be that we experience personal disappointment. That healing that we hoped for didn't happen. That person that we loved, we have lost them during COVID. My point is this, a disciple is someone who believes, but the reality is we will perhaps never ever be delivered from the possibility of doubt until one day, one great day, we see Jesus face to face. Discipleship, that's our theme both this week and next week on Lucas on Life. The disciple of Jesus is a believer but also they are a friend of Jesus. Remember that call that came to those fishermen on that Galilean shore, when Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers, fishers of men, of humanity. In other words, the call to be a disciple is a call to be with Jesus. The late Brennan Manning said this. He said, the author of John's gospel puts but one question to his readers. Do we know Jesus? To know him is life. Everything else fades into twilight and darkness. For the evangelist John, what constitutes dignity in the Christian community is not apostleship or office, not titles, not the gifts of prophecy, healing, or inspired preaching, but only intimacy with Jesus. That is a status that all Christians enjoy. I think that Jesus really loved Peter because peter was an activist and yet the reality is that was also one of peter's weaknesses as well he was impetuous often opening his mouth before engaging brain or jumping into action which was thoroughly unhelpful like cutting off a chap's ear in john chapter 18 yes he was energetic enthusiastic it was peter who jumped out of the boat and walked on water And yet, often, Peter messes things up because he's so quick to act and so slow to stop, think, consult. When we're not walking in friendship with Jesus and just in a vague sense of religion, our lives get tangled up. Gordon Dahl said we tend to worship our work, work at our play, and play at our worship our relationships disintegrate faster than we can keep them in repair and our lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot we are called to be in friendship with jesus one of my favorite places when i visited the holy land many of you will know that kay and i lead trips each year, both to Israel and to Jordan, having the opportunity to meet with Jewish friends, with Palestinian Christians, and to hear their hearts and pray for the tensions there. One of my favorite venues is the beach at Tabgar. That's in Galilee, and it was on that beach that Jesus cooked breakfast for his disciples. He had been resurrected now, and this was one of those resurrection appearances. They sit down by a fire. And it's really interesting to notice that as they share that breakfast together, that Jesus says to Peter, not once or twice, but three times, do you love me? In other words, in Jesus' eyes, the priority was relationship, friendship. Yes, disciples are believers, but they're also friends, friends of Jesus, who walk with him tenaciously, with diligence, by faith, every day. Disciple, discipleship, that's what we're considering. A disciple is a believer, a disciple is a friend of Jesus, and then a disciple is a follower. I've talked about it extensively over the years because the occasion was really significant for me, both in terms of commitment and embarrassment. I'm talking about my baptism in water. I decided to sing that evening, and when I sing, people cry out to God in prayer that I might stop. The song, which I composed especially for the occasion, was cheesy and lengthy. If you're interested in hearing the six-verse epic, you can order the album that I recorded. It's called Songs the Lord Rejected, 1499, published by Music To Go Mad By. I'm just kidding. Not only did I sing, but when I went under the water, I kicked my legs up, drenching some perfectly innocent members of the congregation who were sitting on the front row. However, two elements of the evening linger in my memory for more positive reasons. Before each person stepped down into the tank of tepid water to be baptized, they were given a verse from the Bible to mark the occasion. My verse was Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. This was comforting because although I'd already received a clear call to Christian leadership, I got that shortly after giving my life to Christ, I was totally ignorant of all things biblical. Just four years after my baptism, my wife Kay and I were leading a church plant. I was 21 years old and Kay was just 18. We were blessed with a patient and long-suffering congregation that smiled encouragingly while being told how to live by a couple barely out of adolescence but we were also sustained by the knowledge that god would fill in the blanks for us and teach us as we journeyed back at that baptism there was one other aspect of the evening that stands out as i emerged dripping and in my case with the front row also dripping The whole congregation sang the chorus of Robert Lowry's famous hymn, Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. As a fresh-faced young lad, I sang that hymn without reservation, or frankly, too much thought, because then my life was simple. At that point, I was single, without responsibilities, without a mortgage and without a family to provide for. Time has passed and the 17-year-old with lots of hair has morphed into a 64-year-old with much less hair. The long locks, once permed, what was I thinking, have been replaced by a shrinking peninsula that used to look like Texas on the top of my head, but has now receded into something more reminiscent of the Isle of Wight. But there have been other, more substantial changes." The new believer that was me was handed a set of biblical beliefs which I accepted without question. After all, what did I know? Four decades on, the foundation still remains sure. As for some of the details, I now have a theological pending file where I place subjects about which I have become less certain. There have been some battles along the way as well. I've seen the best and the worst of the church. I've sat at boardroom tables of Christian organizations and have witnessed some appalling behavior. I know what it feels like to enable a platform of opportunity for others only to be let down and betrayed by them. And I've watched as respected fellow leaders have misappropriated funds, had inappropriate relationships, or become ensnared by addiction. None of this is mentioned to elicit sympathy for myself. I just want to be honest about the trek so far. However, There is one person who has disappointed me the most. That would be me. I rather expected that by now I'd be better at praying and holier and more patient, the list could go on. I rather thought that I'd be a little bit more grown up than I am at this stage of life. But this much is sure. Jesus has been unendingly kind to me. Most of the time, I don't know what he's doing. Some of the time, I don't like what I think he's doing. But this I do know. He is good, beautiful, gracious, and generous. So, I still want to follow him as a disciple, and I hope it's true that I'd be willing to do that anywhere, everywhere, as that old song says. Surely being all grown up is not about arrival, it's about daily continuing the journey. I don't feel 100% mature in my ministry, but I am still pursuing maturity. Permit me to refer to just one more song before I close, again on the theme of following. It's a song that was popular at the huge evangelistic events led by the late great Billy Graham. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's said that the song is based on the last words of an Indian martyr, Noxeng, who converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century. A group of Welsh missionaries came into his community, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope of Jesus Christ, but they received a hostile reception. Noxeng's family, however, came to Christ. Soon, many other villagers began to accept Christianity, which incensed the village chief, who called a public meeting and challenged the new believers to renounce their Christian faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, Noxeng replied, I have decided to follow Jesus, based on Luke 9:57. Even after his family were killed in front of him, he stood firm. Finally, Noxeng was also executed. That husband and father stood firm under gargantuan pressure, the Bible encourages us to stand firm on the evil day, and what an evil day Noxeng experienced, as he watched his family be executed, and then went to his own death. To be honest, I find it really hard to relate to such heroic faith. I'm rather certain that I'd respond differently if someone was pointing a gun or an arrow at my wife and children. But having decided to follow all those years ago, I don't want to turn back. I'd like to stand firm. I affirm my life choice anew. Recommitment is good, and there's precedent for it. Peter, as I said earlier, was invited to follow Jesus, and then three years later, on that beach, given the opportunity to affirm his love, loyalty, friendship with Jesus once again. Peter had seen the best and worst of himself, stunned by his own betrayal, red-faced over that sword-swinging that could have cost a chap one of his ears, and counted among those who fled when Jesus was arrested, Peter was given the chance to reaffirm his decision to follow. That recommitment included a newsflash from Jesus. An ongoing choice to follow him would ultimately lead to Peter's arrest and death. He would live the rest of his life on a prophetic death row. But undeterred, sobered by the sacrifice, thrilled by the vision, he made his choice, and in choosing he became a world changer. So today, as we think about being a disciple, a journey that we're going to continue together next week, whatever is past, whatever is now, whatever is ahead, may this description be true of us. We are disciples, we love Jesus, and we will follow him all the way home on life.